starting in verse 27. John 14, 27 through the end of the chapter. Peace I, live, I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know I, am, I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor be afraid. Where is God when our world looks around and says, where is the peace? From the Associated Press, on Tuesday morning, May 24th, Salvador Ramos shot and wounded his grandmother and then fled the scene. Crashing his truck near the school and entering the building, authorities said. Inside the barricaded classrooms, somebody witnessed and said he just began shooting anyone that was in his way. Dylan Silva, whose nephew was in a nearby classroom, said students were watching the Disney movie Moana when they heard several loud pops and a bullet shattered a window. And moments later, their teacher saw the attacker stride past the door. He has a gun, he has a gun, the teacher shouted twice, according to Silva. The teacher didn't even have time to lock the door, he said. It was a tactical team that forced his way in the classroom where the attacker was holed up and met with gunfire from Ramos and was shot and killed. In the aftermath, families in Uvalde waited hours for word on their children. As the town's civic center, where some gathered Tuesday night, the silence was broken repeatedly by screams and wails. No, please, no, one man yelled as he embraced another man. On Wednesday morning, volunteers were seen arriving with Bibles and therapy dogs. Peace. I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace. Let not your heart be troubled, nor be afraid. What happens when our world is shaken? What happens when we see what happened in places like Uvalde on Tuesday? And we imagine those 9, 10, 11-year-olds sitting there watching a movie, anticipating summer, anticipating the end of a school year, and realizing they're not going to experience summer because they've gone into eternity. And then we begin to listen to the talking heads who want to tell us that it's all about gun control, it's all about schools and their security, it's all about regulation, 
It's all about raising. It's all about video games. It's all about violence. It's all about what we see when we're looking around and all we want to do in a lot of respects is just grieve and look at the evil and wonder about the Lord's peace. I appreciate Steve's prayer this morning about how we come and worship to focus in a special way and to think about God and his glory and how we ought to, in a lot of ways, leave the things that are outside, outside. And yet this morning, I'm going to bring them in with all due respect to our elder. And I'm going to bring them in so that we can see something about our eternal God in the midst of this tragedy. Friends, we ask the question in times of tragedy, what happens when our world is shaken? What happens when we think that this week is just going to go on like any other week? And then we hear about things like what happened in Uvalde. It leaves us afraid. It leaves us angry. It leaves us sad. It leads us in a lot of respects into depression. Because we look and we see an act, a, a, a deranged soul that commits this atrocity and we shake our heads and it hurts me down in the pit of my stomach to think about kids, my own kids' age and their parents that are now having to deal with these beds that will never be slept in again by their children. Summer plans that are changed forever. It leaves us with all those emotions. And yet I go back to John chapter 14 and I look and I see disciples who would shortly be feeling those exact same things over the loss of the teacher, a Galilean carpenter, who would shortly after he speaks those words in John chapter 14 be betrayed by one of his own, be nailed to a cross, and all of those disciples being scattered as they were would have to find refuge behind a locked door and wondering, kind of with the same questions and the same aching feeling in their stomach of going, why did this happen? They were fully expecting that Jesus would be king, and in their minds... It wasn't going to happen. Friends, we look and we ask the questions, why? Why did something like this happen? We look at ourselves and I believe in some respects we lose sight of things, lose sight of a perspective because we do sometimes get into our routines and we expect, we expect that life is going to go on like it always has been. That we're going to go and we're going to go through this day and everything's going to be okay and, and we're going to get through this evening and then we're going to put the kids to bed. We're going to get in bed ourselves and then we're going to get up and start everything all over again and everything's just going to continue on like it always has been. And we make a mistake in forgetting that evil is in the world and that there are things and forces and things we would never want for any of the ones that we loved or anybody for that matter that come along and that shake us to our very core. When our world is shaken, we begin to look around and our lives begin to be forever changed. You think of the list of the worst mass shootings and the worst tragedies our country have faced. And this week, we add one more to that. We go back and we think about 9-11. We think about Sandy Hook. We think about Santa Fe in our own backyard. We think about Aurora or Mandalay Bay or Virginia Tech. And now we add Uvalde. Uvalde. 
people begin, when our world is shaken, to begin to ask questions. And people ask questions, why do bad things happen? And what happens invariably in tragedy is people begin to look around and say, well, where is God? Why is God here? And they begin to ask questions that maybe they've never asked before. Have you found yourself doing that? Why would God allow something like this to happen? And those are not questions that we would ask per se, uh, per se on any given Sunday or any given Monday or any time that we're locked into our routine. We don't ask those questions about where is God in those situations. But you know what I do find when our world is shaken? You're going to find more people that begin to turn and look to the Bible for comfort. Our president had a brief remark to make about the tragedy at Uvalde. Anyone I noticed about his remark and just listening to him? He repeatedly referenced God, and he also repeatedly referenced the Psalms, particularly Psalm 34 and verse 14. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You know, I realize about tragedy when our world is shaken. There is not a single soul that's going to cite the origin of the species. You know what we face just now? It's survival of the fittest. And obviously those people that lost their lives weren't fit. Do you realize that atheism and Darwinism and those popular theories that are so being pressed into our lives and into our culture will not bring anybody the slightest iota of comfort? When people see tragedy, when our world is shaken, people will turn to the word of God. They will turn and begin to say things like thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Why do they say that? Because we don't like to think what's going to go on if there is no God. We don't like to believe in what we're being taught about the fact that there is no God. That's not comforting to anybody, especially in times of tragedy. Nobody quotes the Big Bang or says there is no God in order to try and provide help and comfort to somebody who's struggling through the loss. Friends, if we as a culture, if we as individuals, when we look at tragedies like what happened at Valley this week and say there is no God, that's never going to bring comfort to anybody. More so, even if we continue to behave like there is no God, there's no comfort to be found. What do we do when our world is shaken? We feel things, don't we? What do we do when the world is shaken? We begin to ask questions about suffering and about mortality. We begin to ask questions about suffering. Why did this happen? We, this happened, simple answer, because there's evil in the world. Because there's evil in the world. God in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 took that tree of knowledge of good and evil and put it in the garden where he had created the first man and the first woman. And he gave them this caveat, of any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of that tree... Tree of knowledge, good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In Genesis chapter 3, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. We know that man took of that, uh, the woman took of that, uh, that fruit of that tree, and she gave to her husband, and the eyes of both of them were no, uh, opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they knew good and evil. The world's never been the same since. We face evil because there is evil in the world, and God has given that power to man to choose evil if he wants. And there is evil in this world, but folks, please make no mistake, that evil is not caused by God. The Bible tells us, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted of God, for God can't be tempted by evil, nor can he tempt anyone. In the very same breath as James writes that, with the very same stroke of the pen, he says every good and perfect gift 
comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is always going to be good and God is always going to give good things and he sits on his throne in glory and as we look at him, we see that what he does in this life and what he does in our lives is glorious. What this man did in Uvalde, there is no glory in that. There is evil in the world, but that evil is not caused by God. Well, what causes evil then? We suffer evil, friends, sometimes because of the wrong choices that we make, don't we? I don't have to go very far in the Bible before I begin to look and see people choosing what's wrong and making wrong choices and then beginning to suffer for that. Didn't Adam and Eve, the ones we just referenced there in Genesis chapter 3, didn't they choose evil and didn't they suffer because of it? Their children after them, Cain and Abel, both came and brought offerings to the Lord. God respected Abel, God rejected Cain, and Cain, because of that anger in his heart, even though God had warned him and said, be careful, sin is crouching at the door, his desires for you, Cain rose up and he killed his brother Abel. Why did he do that? Because he made the choice to choose evil and brought about suffering, not only the suffering of Abel, but also the suffering of Adam and Eve, I'm sure. It happens sometimes because we personally make wrong choices, but it happens also because people, other people make wrong choices. Somebody chooses to run a red light in Rosenberg, Texas and smashes into a car and kills all the people that is in it. Is that a wrong choice? Absolutely. Does it cause suffering? Absolutely. And as long as we are in this life and as long as we are in the world, friends, we are subject to the evils both of ourselves, uh, the wrong choices that we make, but also of the wrong choices that other people make. When our world is shaken because evil salts, tragedy results. And God, tell you, it makes us feel unsafe, doesn't it? We talked about several weeks ago on a Sunday night, the seven desires of every heart. And one of those desires that we have built into us is the desire to feel safe. The desire to feel safe. Parents, when you send your kids away to an elementary school, or when you send them away to whatever after-school program or whatever it is that there's going, you want your kids to, and you want to acknowledge that those kids are going to be safe in the care of the people that you give them to, don't you? And I know that a lot of you have followed this story of Uvalde, and as the more and more details come out, you begin to look at some of the choices and some of the decisions some of the people made. One of the teachers chose to prop over the back door. I thought it was supposed to be a secure facility. And you begin to point the finger and say, well, if only that teacher hadn't done this. And you begin to talk about the people that are standing outside the door waiting to go in and, and take out the shooter and how long they waited before they did that. And you want to point and say, well, if those guys had moved quicker, then that wouldn't have happened. And then people begin to look at the, the parents and the grandparents of this young man that did these things. And they say, well, if those people had made better choices. You look at the gun dealer and say, well, if that gun dealer had, had made a different choice with regard to these young men trying to get these guns... And what we've done is we've tried to control every aspect of the situation and say, aha, if that had happened, then evil wouldn't have resulted. When in reality, brothers and sisters, if that evil hadn't come from that young man, it would have come from some other place. And such a degree is what happened to Uvalde? Probably not. But at the same time, by us trying to answer the question, where can we pinpoint where we went wrong? We try and control the situation. And maybe with more knowledge... And maybe with more understanding of who did what, when, where, why, and how, then we could get some kind of comfort from this tragedy. When in reality, those talking heads that continually bring up things, political agendas, ideas about what could have gone wrong or what did go wrong, not a single one of those people 
is able to give peace in this situation. The only thing they can do is make us feel more unsettled and make us feel more unsafe. And as we look around when our world is shaken and we ask the question, why did this happen? Where can I find safety? Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give to you. Question we ask, where is God when our world is shaken? Where is God when our world is shaken? God, as we just sang, is still reigning. He's still on his throne. God is still sovereign. A man comes into a third and fourth grade classroom and fires over a hundred rounds of ammunition into the faces, not of men in tactical body armor, not men who were prepared for the impact, but fires those bullets into the faces of children. Where was God? Was he sitting up on the clouds somewhere, singing blue skies and rainbows, sunbeams from heaven? Was God sitting down there going, hmm, where was God when all that was happening? Folks, based upon what I know of the God of heaven, God was there. God was there in the midst of the tragedy. His heart was breaking like ours is. He was near to those little ones. Bible tells us that in him we live and we move and have our being. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch over the good and evil, Proverbs 15, verse 3. Absolutely, the president spoke it right. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, Psalm 34, verse 14. The Lord was right there in that midst of the tragedy, weeping with those who weep, hurting for those who hurt. He felt it deeply the way that we feel it. Our God who became flesh suffered and hurt the way we hurt for death, for tragedy, for pain, for things like what we see in Uvalde and things that happen every single day that we don't have any knowledge of. If it was for this purpose that he sent his only begotten son. Hebrews 2 verse 17 says, Therefore in all things he, Jesus, had to be made like his brethren, like you and me, that he, Jesus, might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation a satisfaction for wrath for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. Friends, God is not going to stop the hands of someone who does something like this. He's going to allow somebody to make the choice to choose evil. And yet what we know about our God is he is right there in the situation. He's right there ready to help, ready to comfort, ready to give peace. He's right there hurting with those people that are hurting. It occurs to me that man can't take a tragedy like Rob Elementary and turn it into victory. What our tragedy shows is that life, life is full of evil. And it also shows this life is not lasting. Looking around and seeing 19 children, precious souls, dead, two teachers, dead, the shooter, dead. 
and Jesus, the words that he would speak in the same context, saying, I have overcome the world. Where is God? God is ready to make a new beginning. But what happens is we get comfortable, we get complacent, we get our priorities backwards, we begin to think that, again, our routines, our priorities, our lives are going to go on uh, as they always have, and we forget him. But in tragedy, what happens is that we have a chance to stand and see the eternal God to whom we all must respond, to whom we all must give an account of ourselves. And I believe that we even see him better through tragedy, frailty in a world that's shaken. Solomon said, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, for it's the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. In suffering, we have a more, more of an opportunity to develop a character like Jesus. When we think about character qualities that make a difference in our lives, things like bravery, courage, compassion, honor, value, generosity, sympathy, love, All of those things can be brought forth in difficulty. And I believe that's God working in and through the situation. Where is God? God is waiting with open arms for men to turn to him so that he can give them peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It is absolutely okay when our world is shaken to have doubts to have concerns, to have anger, to have hurts, and to have questions. But faith is going to look. And faith is going to behave when the pain comes in a way that's not going to hurt God and not violate what we know is right. Faith, when the pain comes, is going to look like Job and say, though he slay me, still will I serve him. When our world is shaken, we ask the question, how can we help? How can we help? There are some things that we absolutely don't have control over. Steve prayed about that this morning, absolutely. Jesus, in Luke 13, was confronted by some people that saw that there was a tower that fell and crushed certain disciples. And they came and brought this to Jesus with kind of the question that says, Lord, how awful did these people have to be in order to have that tower fall over on them? And they even brought up another case to talk about Pilate mixing the blood of some Galileans with a sacrifice. He killed them in the midst of them offering worship, it seems like. And they say, Lord, how awful were these people that did these things? Don't we like to do that? We like to play, well, maybe if this person had done this or that or this or that, or maybe these people were suffering punishment for that. And Jesus says, you're missing the point about those things if that's what you're focused on. He says, those people weren't worse sinners than anybody else. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. God wants us to look at him, and he wants us to see him as the one we're going to have to stand before and make our lives right, to change our hearts and change our minds with regard to sin and change our lives with regard to that. Don't let something like this fall away or leave your mind without going, wow, that's terrible, and then fail to learn the lesson about the God of heaven. It's not about the wickedness of people. It's about the need that all of us have to be penitent, humble believers in Jesus. Looking to him. Let me step up on a soapbox just for a moment. 
occasionally when you see tragedies and difficulties that happen, particularly on social media, but it's creeped into the visual media and, and a number of places online, that when you see tragedies like Uvalde, for example, that have happened, people will say, thoughts and prayers with the family, thoughts and prayers with the family, thoughts and prayers with the family, thoughts and prayers with the family. Have you seen or heard that phrase or heard that expression? Have you seen that anywhere? Friends, where our thoughts and where our prayers need to be is with the God of heaven. Absolutely, take those prayers on behalf of those people. And I'm praying for those families, yes, absolutely, but lift those things up to our heavenly Father and look to him. Don't leave your thoughts over there with those families because you know what? Your thoughts are going to leave before too long. Before next week, a lot of people will have forgotten about Uvalde, would have been in the rearview mirror, and now they're moving on, and here's all these people that are dealing with with hopelessness and loss and a sense of tragedy. Their hearts are completely broken, and we've already moved on. Thoughts and prayers with the family. It's trite, it's cliche, and where we need to be focused on and petitioning and begging and supplicating and lifting up those families before the throne of God to say, God, offer them some comfort. There is a church in Uvalde. I know the preacher. He is a great man. And I know he is active in this situation. I know those, uh, those Christians are there acting in that situation. And they're trying to bring hope and comfort to those people. They're trying to bring the gospel message of Jesus to those people. Pray for them. Thoughts and prayers with the family. Lift your thoughts, lift your prayers to the God of heaven that can work through this tragedy and can make something good out of something so horrible. Don't leave it there. Don't leave it there. How can I help when I feel so helpless? I can commit to the one who told me to cast all my cares upon him for he cares for me. I can commit myself to praying and to teaching others about the one that can give peace, not as this world gives peace, but the one who left us with his peace so that we don't have to be troubled or our hearts be afraid. We can find hope even in the midst of tragedy. Don't let this opportunity pass by. Parents of small children Parents of children, I hope you hug your kids a little tighter. And I hope that if you are a parent of small children and they ask you about this lesson, maybe you haven't shared the tragedy that's happened in Uvalde, and maybe if they're paying, you know, halfway attention this morning and and thinking about this lesson, and they begin to ask you about that, say, Mom, Dad, what can we do? What can we do? And you feel helpless. Well, there's nothing we can do. Yes, there is. Teach your kids the gospel of Jesus. Tell your kids about the one who can bring peace. That goes also for the people that you work with. How in the world could something like this happen? It's because that young man that did that needed Jesus. Do you realize however many guns you have in your gun safe, I would imagine there was more than a few concealed carries there in Uvalde and how helpless, how worthless those things were. The more locks that they had on the door, how helpful were those in that situation? 
And the more we feel insecure, the more that ought to drive us to our knees before the one who's given us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because that is really the only security that we have in this life. It really is. You try and make your money safe in the bank and the bank's robbed. Or maybe the government comes and robs the bank and then you're robbed. Sometimes those things happen. And even as secure as we try and make our lives, even as we try and doomsday prep for these things, well, maybe if we'd have better locks or better security systems or more facial recognition or all these things, those things aren't able to give security the way Jesus is able to give security. This world needs Jesus. You want to prevent another uvalde? Take the gospel to your friends and to your neighbors. Let the gospel transform their lives and change them by the one who's able to give peace and comfort through tragedy. Church stops sitting around doing nothing. There's evil in the world. And the remedy is Jesus. You want to stop tragedies like that? You want to have your part? Take the gospel to your friends and neighbors. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to also the Greek. You want to rid the world of evil, preach the gospel. And by one soul, one soul changing his or her condition with regard to Jesus, obeying the gospel of Jesus, by one soul, you have no idea the ripples that that can cause throughout that soul's life and the ones who know him and the ones who know him and the ones who know him. And only God knows the good that can be done through one soul believing the gospel and obeying Jesus, the one who can give peace the way this world cannot. Friends, if Uvalde has taught us anything, it's the frailty of our lives. Those sweet little children a dress-up day they were dressing up and that was the part of it was footloose and fancy free I think was the name of the day and they were supposed to dress in in a certain way for that Tuesday and those parents who dropped their kids off that morning and thought they were going to be able to pick them up as usual on Tuesday afternoon I cannot imagine but it causes me to remember that unless the Lord comes first there's a time prepared for me, and there's a time prepared for you. Well, when's it going to happen, Andy? I don't know. Well, how's it going to happen? Going to be a car wreck? Going to be a heart attack? Going to be uh, cancer? Well, how's it going to be? I don't know. Well, what can I do? You can obey the gospel. You can live your life in obedience to Jesus. That's the one thing you do have control of with regard to your destiny. If you stand this morning and you realize you haven't been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that's the only hope that you have. And that hope is given to you this morning. Because if we trust in the fact that life is just going to go on like it always has, let Uvalde be a reminder to us. Don't miss the message. Don't miss the lesson from a tragedy like that. You have such a short time. Your life is here for but a moment like a vapor, and then it's going to vanish away. What have you done with the time to make sure that you're right with God? Let's stand and sing.